Hi, I'm TJ. And jo- this is Joseph. <laughs> I'm trying that again. I'm trying to move my window. <laughs> uh, and I'm Joseph. Again. Okay. And Hi. Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're on a roll. TJ, welcome to another week of January. Yeah, how is your day going, Joe? Mine is going <sighs> interestingly. I'm having kernel panics and cursing Apple and all kinds of things. Yeah, it feels like it's Monday or something because it doesn't feel like anything's worked well in the last couple hours. I'm having <laughs> trouble with iMessage and iCloud. It's nuts. Yeah. I didn't even know I, I had this problem. And now that I'm, I'm trying to fix it, you, it's getting worse. You're not getting it. You're messaging me and it's saying can't be delivered. Oh, Apple. Colonel panics and iMessage and also snow. We've got about two inches of snow here in Middle Tennessee, which is pretty odd. But you know, we we get happen. it once in a while, but it doesn't happen every year like this. So yeah, well, congratulations. I mean, y'all y'all are snow. Thanks. People. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> do you want to do you want to tell us about your camera case uh, for your iPhone or something weird like that? Yes, it's very weird. Uh, we creative professionals like to take pictures and videos with our phones, DJ. Uh, the Moment Case is a well-known, well-marketed product from California. There is a production company, a product-making company that specializes in selling uh, video and professional photography, amateur photography equipment. They're a smaller operation than something like B&H Photo. They're newer but they are interested in reaching people that are using uh, photography equipment for artistic reasons. And they know a lot of people use phones for taking professional photography, pro amateur you know, photography. And they started selling cases where you could screw on a, a telephoto lens or a, an anamorphic lens to an Android phone case or an iPhone phone case and take advantage of more features and more flexibility for your, your camera system. And it's really powerful. I really like what it could potentially do. So my wife got me one of the moment phone cases. That was the one that I've had on my phone now for the last few weeks. It's, it's a a pretty straightforward case. It's not particularly elegant, but it does the job. It looks like what you would expect for a a camera accessory. If you think of a lot of professional cameras, they have pretty plain Jane accessories for whether you're trying to attach some kind of housing or expanded battery pack or an external microphone. They're, they're just professional equipment, so there's nothing flashy about them. And it also protects the phone. But it is nifty that it has a, a set of grooves on the plastic that wraps around the telephoto and the wide-angle lenses. And you can screw on and off their sold separately moment lenses. So you can screw on their moment telephoto lens over top of the uh, wide-angle lens. And the benefit of doing this is that the wide-angle lens is already better than the built-in telephoto lens on the iPhone. So 
I, I wanted to compare them side by side because I, I want the built-in telephoto lens. I use it and it's very reliable. I've defended it before on this podcast, but I also sometimes want the quality and the result I can get out of the wide angle lens and the moment case makes that possible. I just got it. I got all the hardware for it, uh, for that lens, mind you. I have had the case for a few weeks, but I haven't had the lens until today. So I'm going to give it a shot and report back later. So I clicked the link that you put in our show notes document, and it I couldn't see anything because immediately this big splash screen came up. I, I, I saw a flash of this, what was behind it. And then up came this big splash screen at one of my email address and no obvious way to get out of it. I tried to escape. I do see now that I'm looking at it again. There's an X button, but it's almost hidden. <laughs> like you can, yeah, it's very up annoying. In the I got yeah. the same splash screen today. It's full screen in your web browser. Give me and... your email address to continue. <laughs> I'm like, no, yeah, no, well, thank I mean, you. You do, do not want to save money. You want to save $15. Don't you want, want to do that? Not at TJ? the expense of them emailing me for the rest of my life. Hmm. <laughs> I, I do think this was poor taste. And yeah. they, they have a lot of name creds. Uh, you know, though a lot of people like their brand at this point, but this did feel way too pushy. And this is something that's new since uh, the last I shopped there back in November. So I'm not familiar with why it would do this, why they would take but their Joe, marketing in this save direction. Save $15 off of your order if it's over $150. Just give your email address. Just do it. Yeah. And if you don't, you hate puppies. <sighs> yeah. But the good news is accessories are getting better. You know about MagSafe? Yeah. Remember the promise of MagSafe that all of the yes. accessories were going to uh, get better and better? I have a couple of MagSafe accessories and I love them. Yeah, no, you have the charger cord from Apple, right? And yep, the one for that. your car. You got the and belt. And I have in. a car mount. Yep. Mm-hmm. If you're in the market and you haven't picked up anything just yet, there's a lot of the car mounts that are MagSafe and chargers that just came out in the last week or so. And people started noticing them over the weekend. So if you were waiting for that, uh, I got one as well and it is shipping this week. I'll let you know what I think about it. And there's also alternatives. So if you were willing to put down the money for Apple's own MagSafe charger, that's not a bad call because it's probably going to be well-built TJ, you can comment to that. Isn't it pretty well constructed? It doesn't look like it's going to wear apart anytime soon. Which? Your MagSafe charger. The actual Apple charger, not the car one. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have any problems with it. I mean, mm, and good. it's good, good. it's less likely to wear because you're not yanking on the cord all the time, uh, at least not with any stress or strain because, you know, it's a magnet. It pops right off. And so where the um, Apple cables tend to have problems over time is the fraying of the joints and things. And that's because you're always like pulling and pushing and prodding and messing around right at those joints. And um, this, I don't think this is going to have that problem. Yeah. And if, but that being said, now if you are a cheapskate and you do want to save <laughs> some money, but you want to have a good product that probably would be comparable to Apple's MagSafe charger, you can get a uh, similar knockoff or something in the ballpark of 17 to $20. And a few people have gotten their hands on them and they say that they work just fine. I don't know if I need one or want one. I'm going to wait because I just haven't found a great reason, an impetus to pick up one of my own. You know, that that, that gives me an idea for a topic we should probably talk about on a, on a podcast about living high fidelity lifestyle. 
which is yeah. how do you determine how much to pay for something? I, 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 just to give you a preview of what that would what that conversation would be like. I've been all over the spectrum buying the cheapest thing, buying the most expensive thing, and boy, it, you, it really depends on on the boy on the product, you know, because there are some things where I do buy pretty cheap stuff and it works just fine. But I have discovered, for instance, over the years with car tires that buying anything other than Michelin is just, you know, you're going to pay more for Michelin, but it's not worth it. Those tires don't, you will ultimately spend more on your tires and they won't ride as good. Anyway, huh. I have lots of thoughts on that subject. So well, that's too bad. it's a little bit of trial and error over like what to spend your money on. So when it comes to Apple cables um, versus the, the cheap knockoffs, I've had mixed success with knockoffs. Yeah, me too. Um, sometimes they're fine. Sometimes they last about five days. <laughs> so, but, but at the same time, Apple's cables aren't known to be the greatest, but they tend to be consistent. So you'll usually get – I find that I get two to three years out of an Apple Lightning cable, for instance. And the hmm. third-party cables, again, it's a mixed bag. You might get five years and you might get six months. <laughs> That adds up to my results as well. I think that I've had good success with some of Amazon's basics, but they didn't last nearly as long as Apple's. But when it, it, the day does come, it eventually does come, that Apple's wears out just as well. It, you want to have a few extra in a drawer that you can whip out just on the moment because with these lightning cables, when they get the burn marks and that starts to mess up the port on your, your phone or your oh, yeah. iPad oh, yeah, as yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Don't it's let it get to that worst. point. No, don't yeah. let it get to that point because you will pay my, more yeah. by being a cheapskate. See, that's where you pay more by being a cheapskate because you're like, ah, I'll get a few more miles out of that cable. And no, you won't. You will destroy your phone and your lightning port. Mm-hmm. Don't, do, don't do it. Don't do it. Now, a good example of where you can, can save the money on Apple products. I know that some people really want the premium quality and down to the last detail with the Apple Watch bracelets. And I think that that is true. If you want the highest quality, the best build materials, and you like the perfect finish, then you do want Apple Watches um, made by Apple bands. But if you're willing to save a little money, you can get something that is almost just as good sometimes from some of the knockoffs. It helps to shop around and see what your friends have tried. And that's where – so with the um, uh, the Milanese Loop, which is my daily wear, I, it is the one that I wear the most often with my Apple Watch. I, I bit the bullet. It was a little expensive, rich for my blood, but I bit the bullet and got it from Apple because I didn't like the looks of, of any of the knockoffs. And so that, that's my daily wear, and it's almost $100 for that link brace or for that Milanese Loop. I also, though, uh, have to have or have to. I want to have in my <laughs> – um, in my arsenal of watch bands, a link bracelet to wear for more fancy dress, you know, uh, sort of thing when I'm going to church or going out on a date or what have you. I think I've talked about this on the show. So, um, Apple's link bracelet looks nice, but it doesn't look $300 nice. So (laughs) I got a really nice link bracelet. I've been wearing, I, I wear it a couple of times a week, pretty much since I've had the Apple watch. Um, it looks great and it's, uh, 50 bucks. (laughs) And it's third party and it's doing just fine. So that's where you have to, you have to make wise decisions. I am not going to spend half the price of my watch for, uh, uh, you know, add to the price of the watch, half of that price for, for the, for the link bracelet. I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. 
So the good news is, is that there are more MagSafe accessories that are popping up in the market. So we are going to see in the next few weeks what people make of the third-party uh, knockoffs as well as solutions that Belkin and Apple weren't even offering as of yet. So I am excited to try out the charger that's also a car mount combo. So is that what you call a rabbit trail? <laughs> yeah, but it's a good one. Okay. All right, Joe, you want to talk about um, your AirPods Max, your final review, and how short can you make this? Because I'm I'm tired of hearing about this product that I don't have. <laughs> <laughs> have you been paying attention to other podcasters or catching YouTube reviews? No. Well, the only thing would. the only thing that I have know that I know further from what we discussed is that Stephen uh-huh. Hackett sent his back because he thought they were too heavy for his head. Yeah, so I was still you know keeping in mind everything that I was saying last week about my AirPods Max. I I, I had about 3 maybe 3 and a half hours of experience with them then. And with a lot of all over ear headphones, various weights with different materials, putting different pressure points on your head in various places. They just feel uncomfortable in general for the first day or so. And your your head is not used to getting the pressure in various places, pressure points. So I My thought head is used first, to all kinds of pressure, Joe. <laughs> well, what are you doing over there? You got a great oh, big not, not, tenfold not hat? Phys- <laughs> not physical pressure. <laughs> Continue. Yeah, yeah. Continue. So if you want real physical pressure on your head, you definitely want to pick up a pair of the AirPods Max because they definitely grip your head very tightly. Now, the the telescoping headbands that you can extend it for larger heads and smaller heads, I assumed that I had a big head and I would need those fully extended. You do have a big head, Joe. I do, but it's not as big as you or I thought because I had to actually retract it a little bit. Maybe my head shrunk in the last few years. I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm growing up, maturing. And yeah, let's, yeah, let's I, go with that. I, I adjust the telescoped uh, band, and now it fits a lot more uh, comfortably around the ears. It was applying pressure to the skull right above my ear, and I don't understand how retracting the telescopes helped. Um, now, uh, in general, I think that they do grip your head way too hard. And the first impression would be that that's going to be fatiguing over time. But I'm not really finding that to be the case. Uh, once you get used to the how tightly it is squeezing, it is fine. It never gets worse. It never gets painful. It never gets uncomfortable. It's not getting sweaty. Maybe when summer rolls around, this will be much more uncomfortable. But right now it's not. Um, I've used them for many hours at the desk and I also tried them on a workout and I, I mainly expected it to be uncomfortable if I started to get really hot, really warm, or if they wanted to slide off my ears while I was laying down on the bench press and they, they do want to fall off, but the grip is so tight that it's just kind of taking your ears with them. <laughs> it stays on your head. It just, it's pulling back. So I don't think that they're super comfortable if you're doing weight training and I would not recommend you use them on, uh, like, uh, you know, high intensity stuff. You, you, when you run TJ, you really run. You're not just like walking around, right? Correct. See, I wouldn't recommend you use uh, on-ear or over-ear headphones in general for that kind of cardio. 
Um, and certainly don't go with these. The, these headphones yeah. want you to be tranquil and as little motion as possible. That, now, the fun thing that I noticed about getting used to the controls is that the digital crown, which is inspired by the Apple Watch's crown, is fun in one way, TJ, that I wasn't expecting. You know how on the volume controls on the iPhone and on the Mac, and for the iPad that for that matter, the up and down volume controls don't have too many ticks. Like when you press that up button, it, you're moving up a significant percentage. Um, and you can tell a huge difference when you just press the volume button up or down once. With the digital crown on the AirPods Max, there's actually a whole lot more granularity. So as you start to rotate it, you're making a subtle increase and decrease. And that is really nice to find the sweet spots for various pieces of music that, you know, given what they're, what the music's, you know, doing in forte or, uh, you know, getting into a soft part, you have much more fine-tuned control over the volume. And I really appreciate that. I wish that the Mac controls and that the iPhone controls were the same way that had more granularity to the up and down volume. Have you found that at all? No. I mean, well, what are you asking specifically? If I wish there was more granularity in my non, uh, non-crown rotator things? Yeah, like, I, for example, when I'm listening to other podcasters, it's not a big deal, but I often notice that if I push the button uh, for the volume up just one more tick, they seem a little too loud. And then if I push it down one tick, they just sound a little bit too soft. And the issue will become I have a harder time hearing and understanding a few of their words if they get softer. But then when they get loud again, if I have increased the volume, then they're going to be too loud. But this is kind of a problem where the difference between increasing or lowering the volume by 5% is too much, but turning it up or down by like 2.5% is just right. Like it's it's enough granularity. I cannot say that I have ever had that problem. Hmm. Okay. Um, then one of the best things about the AirPods Max is if you were – if you were wanting to know how did they compare to the AirPods Pro, they work virtually the same. The Obviously, the case is a very different case, but transparency modes and, and noise cancellation are very predictable in the way that they function from start to finish. When you put them on your head, they're just on. And when you take them off, it knows that they're off your head and then pause every time. And I found that the clarity with transparency is so good, I really don't feel inclined to take my AirPods Max off my head when I go to listen to somebody who's got to say something to me. Rude person. Mm -hmm. When I was using the Sony headphones, I wanted to take those headphones off because I, th their voices just sounded too garbled. Um, now, the downside to that is if you've used AirPods or AirPods Pro in the past, you'll know that there are many bizarre and un unexpected circumstances where you can lose your connections. So I'll be sitting here working at the Mac and watching a YouTube video during lunch with my AirPods Max, and it'll just cut off. And what do you do then? Because when you go up to the menu about your output, it's still saying, well, you're connected to the AirPods Max, but I'm not getting the audio. So it took me a little bit of while to track down the right support article. 
But the solution for all of these bizarre glitches is to press and hold down the crown and the the sound mode buttons together for 12 seconds to force the AirPods Max to restart. If you were using the AirPods Pro, you pop them back into their case. And it doesn't look like the, uh, you know, when you take it back out, you pop them back into your ears and that does the reset. Uh, thank goodness you don't have to whip out the AirPods Max's case and stick it back in there in order to get it to reset, which is what I thought you had to do at first. So I'm much more comfortable pressing the button. And I had another technical yeah. glitch where transparency failed when I switched to it, where one ear cup was giving me transparency and the other one continued to give me the noise cancellation. And so then Ew. after doing the full reset, a little later the same day, the glitch came back again in the reverse so that the other ear cup ear, transparency was working, but then the other one was not. <laughs> and I had to do a reset again. Uh, Apple software not being up to standards? Come on, Joe. You're, you're giving me, you're pulling my leg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, it really is odd, but thank goodness that reset works. And it's not a very painful reset that's very time-consuming. Like even when you're dealing with the Apple Watch and there's a bug on there and you want to restart the Apple Watch, it's still a little bit of a nuisance because it takes so long. Um, with the AirPods Max, it's not the biggest deal in, because it just gets done in about 25 seconds. And um, last comment, not a big deal. Thank God there's going to be some third-party cases coming out for these headphones because apples with this is a joke it gets a job done it feels like an apple product it just doesn't make sense so you do need a third-party case if you're going to be traveling with these headphones at all even if you were going to take them to and from a college campus or to a workplace i would recommend that you pick up a third-party airpods max case and Right now, there's only one option that I'm aware of that I think is a bit on the expensive side for just a case, but the build materials are good, and it's from a small shop that has fine craftsmanship. So do you want to go that way or wait for another third-party case to come out with a you know lower price that just gets the job done of protecting the headphones when they're traveling in your backpack or your knapsack? And um, I'm waiting to see if I can find another more affordable case because I don't want it to be a gorgeous case. I'm not going to be showing it off to the world. I'm not going to tuck it under my arm and show everybody, hey, cool, look, look at my cool leather case, guys. Isn't this like the sweetest little handcrafted you know, case you've ever seen? So I'm going to wait for another case. I have to admit, I don't fully understand when and how and why Apple decides to do something first party versus letting third parties handle it. Like like this is the like the case is the perfect re thing. Like you would think that they would want to make a case for their headphones, but they they don't. Yeah, they make a case for all their air, their earpods and AirPods and all those other things, but they don't make a case for their over ear headphones. And I don't understand that. You'd think it would be the 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 perfect time to do that. It, it's the same sort of thing. You know, it's a completely different genre. But like, why they got out of making wireless routers? Like, you would think that, especially with their focus on privacy that they would uh, want to make and control the whole stack of uh, that way they could keep your data private and that's the sort of thing with again with the with the case you're like what what, what is it what are they thinking yeah it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense i think that it would have been benef more beneficial if the case were sold separately i think that that may have 
angered less people because if Apple wanted to come out with their case as a separate object and then people could evaluate evaluate whether they wanted to spend money on it at all, then they probably would have laughed at it and said, ha Apple, interesting go, but we'll just wait for a third party case. But given that this is the case that was included in the box, it feels like an insult because you feel like you spent your money on that and you just spent more money on these headphones than you have spent on any others ever before. So you're yeah. not getting your money's worth. Um, and if the iPhone were to come with, like, say, one of their iPhone cases, which is not a reality we've ever had, it would just be kind of weird <laughs> no. if the case were so opinionated. I think everybody would be flabbergasted and it would it hurt the iPhone's good name. Yes. No, I agree. So what's your, uh, what's your overall score, Joe? My overall conclusion is I'd, I'd give it like a, an 8.5 out of 10 just because it grips the head a bit too much. That case is ridiculous. They should have included the audio jack cable for plugging it into your Mac. They just should have. But outside of those things, it's a pretty good overall experience and everything sounds amazing. I love transparency. I love the noise cancellation. If I wanted to use it for exercising, I could in a pinch if I couldn't track down my AirPods Pro. But it really is just great for general use, and I love the way that the audio sounds. So at the end of the day, it's really just about how do things sound with these headphones, and they sound pretty good. And I'm not getting tired of how they they feel over the hours and hours that I've had it on. All right, Joe, shall we move on to our main topic? Our, our, actually, kind of our main two topics um, it being the beginning of the year, uh, January 11th, I'm recording this. You're hearing this on January 12th if you listen to the day it comes out. Uh, we wanted to talk about our tech predictions and then our tech wishes. And I want to preface this by saying I tried to find some tech that I cared to predict or wish about that um, wasn't related to Apple, and I failed on that count. So I guess I'm really <laughs> just interested in Apple products. Uh, you'd think me having jumped ship from Apple for a while, I'd be the perfect candidate to be in that space, and I just don't care. So, <sighs> <sighs> Well, we got a lot of tech products from a lot of other companies. If you were in the camera market or in the gaming market or the yeah, television I market, don't, even the, don't care. You know, yeah, even if you were interested in the smart car you know, market. But I'm just um, not interested nope. in any of those markets. And Nope. Uh, like you, if we wanted one of those things, we probably already got that need filled in 2020. But Apple has yeah. some interesting things yet to do. You ready to make some predictions? Yes. For let's. the year 2021? So my only not directly related to Apple, but winds up being related to Apple anyway, prediction here is that my I, I believe Microsoft will release an ARM version of Windows for general consumption. See, right now, they do have an ARM version of Windows, but it is not available for general consumption. It comes on certain devices. You can buy devices that are ARM-based that come with Windows, but that's it. It is when Microsoft does not license Windows for general consumption. So that means, of course, that the new ARM-based Macs, uh, ARM being a processor architecture, surely if you listen to this podcast, you know that. So the the ARM-based Macs cannot run Windows. They can't virtualize Windows. They can't boot into Windows. So I believe that Microsoft will release an ARM version of Windows for general consumption, primarily because of the M1 Macs, the Apple Silicon Macs, based on ARM. 
Uh, and the corollary to that is that I believe that it can and will be virtualized on Apple Silicon Macs, but I don't believe that Apple Silicon Macs will ever be able to boot into Windows directly. I just, you know, because Apple does not allow that currently, and I don't, I don't ever see them backtracking on that. It's a security feature, according to them. Yeah, and it's going to make a big deal to a lot of the other professionals that I know that prefer to use the Mac, but they have to get into Windows on a regular basis. I have a friend in development, and he has always preferred to use the Mac, but in many regards, he does prefer the Windows. And, you know, then I do think, based on what I have heard through the grapevine, it does look like there are some games that are more than easy, playable on the Mac, but they would have to be Windows supporting games on the Mac to work in the first place. And I don't think that that's going to be your favorite gamers PC setup. No, not with these, this first generation anyway. No, no. So I, I think that gaming on the Mac in Windows is done. Um, I just don't think that's going to happen. And the reason is because, oh, yeah? um, it, it, the reason is because in order to get good performance out of a game on windows, you should be booted directly into windows. You're already losing performance by virtualizing windows on an Apple Silicon Mac. But further, this gets into my second point related to, uh, an ARM version of windows. I think developer and app support will be lacking for a while because, oh, yeah. Because all the applications and all of the support and all the apps and everything is geared toward Intel-based instruction sets, Intel-based chipsets. Um, and just like on the Mac, we had to go through a transition. And, and Mac developers have always been much more quick to adopt these things. Windows has a legacy, for better or for worse. In some cases, it is a good thing because Microsoft supports legacy, and that's what a lot of people need. But because Microsoft supports legacy for so long, you can take a uh, almost – with few exceptions, you can take most – executable files uh, and run them from the Windows XP era, even from the Windows 9X era on a modern Windows computer. Some some of you can't. There have been some, some things that have been dropped, some APIs and things like that. But in general, Microsoft supports things for a long time. And so that developer community is not used to moving quickly. And so even when Microsoft releases for general consumption the ARM version of Windows I think that support is going to be lacking. Certainly games, which are very much based as, as close to the metal as they can get, usually based on the Intel instruction set for their chips, they're not going to be able to run on ARM, even, I, I don't think, for a very long time. So, yeah, that's my prediction. Well, speaking of which, this uh, impact on Intel, I, I know that Intel, as you say here in the show notes, it, their goose is cooked. But it, I'm <laughs> yes. also thinking based on just the, the scale of Intel and the influence they have on things like the PC gaming market, I think it's going to be a slow cook. Like they're going to be around for a while. They're not dying in 2021, do you think? Well, no. So let me explain this point. So the point, the bullet point we have here in the show notes is uh, we're going to see in general more of a push toward ARM in the non-Apple desktop computing space. And then one of the sub points of that is Intel's goose is cooked. And let me explain what I mean by that. Intel, one of the reasons I, – I don't think Apple would have pulled this trigger had Intel been more on top of their game. But Intel for a long time has had more and more trouble getting high-end chipsets out that, that, that don't 
cook themselves that don't have a lot of heat and a lot of battery consumption as their main features. <laughs> so, and they, they've been having trouble sh- shrinking their process. They're still on a four, 14 nanometer. I think they're still on the 14 nanometer process. And these Apple silicon chips are being fabbed at, I want to say seven. Don't quote me on that. I'd have to look it up. But, but the point is they're fabbing Apple with, uh, their, their manufacturing is, is fabbing chips at a, a smaller fab, which is a good thing. And in many ways, than Intel is doing. And Intel used to be the leader in that. It, you could not fab chips at a smaller size than Intel did. <laughs> and and that the, <laughs> Intel has lost their leadership there. Yeah. Intel has just lost their leadership there. And so even though I think it's going to be a very long time before the x86 instruction set, the x86-64, I should specify, instruction set, I believe it'll be a long time before that goes away entirely. I don't think Intel is going to be leading that. And I even, I even predict not this year, I think it'll be a few years, but I predict that Intel will sell or, or fail in some way or be bought out or something within the next, I don't know, roughly five years, six years. And AMD will probably be filling in the gaps uh, for the x86-64 instruction set. But at the same time, I think that Apple is proving that ARM is the way forward. The ARM instruction set, it is a, a risk-based instruction set. Um, rather than, So uh, it's a reduced instruction set rather than a complex instruction set. And these things, uh, they, these things matter. And I'm not a chip specialist. I, I know very, very little. I know just surfacey stuff about chips, but I think that ARM is the way forward. And so my prediction is that you will see by the end of 2021 more of a push on your general market of desktops to ARM. It makes total sense to me, and I'm really happy to see it. It is the right way to go. Yeah. Well, I think Apple's proving that for sure. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and to be clear, I think some of the gains with Apple is more about Apple controlling the ecosystem. I think Apple could do the same thing with the Intel instruction set and if they wanted to in many ways, but I do think you do have some inherent performance benefits in the ARM chips, in the ARM yeah, architecture. It, it, it's, it's sort of like in the art of storytelling when you're writing the perfect ending of an action film, you want the characters to just do exactly what was natural to them. And so in that final action sequence, they got to be true to character. And that was exactly what happened with the arm decision. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, oh, and, and the word I was looking for a minute ago and I was dancing around it is CISC. So you have risk reduced instruction set and CISC is, uh, dang it. What does CISC stand for? Complex instruction set. That well, that makes sense. Yeah. So it's it's reduced instruction set versus complex instruction set. And <laughs> early on, complex instruction sets had their advantage, but now they do not. So, all right, moving on. Um, yeah. I had a note about AR here, and then you expanded on this note. So why don't you take this one? So Apple has been laying the groundwork for augmented reality, and they're most likely going to push out some hardware for it this year, or maybe some software, maybe a developer kit. I personally think that the Apple TV is long in the tooth. And Mm. tell me what you think of this idea, TJ, that the Apple TV is just poised. It's ready for Apple to expand on the Apple Arcade subscription and also to tell developers all of these games that you've been focusing on for the iPhone. We want you to bring them over to the Apple TV because we're going to make the next gen Apple TV more game rich featured uh, or game feature rich. And and so what they're going to do is they're going to say, we have something on in the way of a pro controller, but more than that, you want to get in on this new augmented reality thing. 
And I think it could be, tell me what you think of this idea, TJ. It's not necessarily just about gaming. It's not going to be like the, the, um, the hollow quest or whatever it is for just virtual re- reality gaming. But I could also see an angle here where Apple says, we're going to start introducing shows that have like next generation level video content. So imagine Star Wars in 3D, but imagine if the the things you're seeing are in your environment and flying in and out of the screen. Like <laughs> well, if they you're talking if, more 3D, aren't you though, aren't you? Yeah, but the thing about 3D is that it's faked. It's it's like a trick sure. of the brain. It's a confusing, mm-hmm. disorienting. Give some people, you know, migraines, headache inducing. I was just yeah, about to say, yeah, it just yeah, works some of the time. Whereas what Apple theoretically could do is something that I think I think that one problem that video games have in general is that they don't have good motion blur, and that actually is headache inducing in general when you're dealing with virtual reality. I agree with you, but I don't think most gamers or gamey type people agree. Mm. Because they they would prefer to have the clarity, picture perfect clarity of every yes frame. Yes, they would. And and think about what happened um, with Peter Jackson and with um, oh, what's his name? He made the the Blue Alien movie. Um, James Cameron. Um, they're pushing for higher frame rates, right? So you go from twenty four to forty eight, and that effectively that that does double your frame rate, and it's a nice clean even number based on the previous twenty four frames per second that movies are based on. And that eliminates a lot of your motion blur because of the way the shutters have to be. And all, there's lots of technicalities that go into it. But essentially what you have is a vomit-inducing movie as far as I'm concerned. I think it looks terrible. <laughs> yeah. But most people, actually, most people thought, oh, it's really vivid and wonderful and it looks great. And I really love the way it looks. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I completely yeah. agree with you. But I think you and I are in the minority because we care about certain details that most people do not. That's a curious thing. So it's going to be I, – I, I don't know what Apple will do here in terms of what you're saying. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see. My my more – and I, I don't know. I honestly don't know what direction Apple is going to go. I just think that they've been pushing AR pretty hard. And so this year they've been laying some ground – so last year they've been laying some groundwork. They've got LiDAR sensors and scanners on some of their phones and their iPads now. And they've const- they're constantly pushing AR. So I think, I think this year we're going to see something more of a push for AR. And I don't know if that specific software or hardware or a combination of the two. Um, and when I say AR, I mean VR, AR, MR, you know, mixed reality stuff, like all this stuff, right. whatever that is, I, I'm kind of throwing it all in the same bucket because I'm not I, – I don't care about these features that much except here's what's interesting. When I had my Android phone, um, Google Maps had this feature. I don't believe it's present on iOS, and I think actually it was only present on the Pixel. I don't think my OnePlus had it either. So I think it's a Pixel-specific feature um, where on Google Maps you could go into some – I don't remember if they called it AR mode or MR mode or some like mode, but basically you held it up and your camera would sense what was around you and it would label things like this is the such-and-such building and this is the thing. And you know it, it worked fairly well. It was a little glitchy from time to time. And so that's the sort of thing I actually think is useful because if you can hold your camera up and it can orient you and point you at like that's the the Met or that's the you know that that's the building you're looking for on your you know or whatever that sort of thing 
that is more useful. I, I don't know that as far as addressing games with Apple, I don't think Apple gets games. And I think they I think you're right, they will try to do something with games and I think it will fail spectacularly. Because Apple does not get or understand games or gaming. I don't know. I don't think that they would be first, second, or third place for the most exciting console or the most popular console. But I think that they have a whole lot of money that they're making. And people are going to buy into the Apple TV because they want to have the Apple TV hardware anyway. So what are their incentives? They're going to be pushing well, things let me like ask Apple you this. Arcade. Let me ask you this. Do you know anybody who talks about the games they played on Apple Arcade? Nope. <laughs> I, I have I, I know that they exist. I know that they – well, we have all these Judge, people Judge Darnell, are, Judge Darnell, the state rests. Yeah. Yeah, there are all of us who are subscribed to Apple One as a subscription that gives us Apple Arcade. And I think that that kind of makes the illusion that they are making revenue, but I I wonder what the numbers are. I don't know. And Apple, I think, pulls some tricky stuff with their their earnings to try to say, oh, see, services are doing really good, you know, or whatever. I don't know, but that's my that's my prediction, really, and and yours, I guess, is is something to do with AR pushing forward. Apple is going to really try to be in that space. Yeah, and but but along those lines, we are ready for the Apple TV hardware to get an update. So I think that it's very likely that AR will be a part of that. So you think that you want your prediction is that the Apple TV will see a, a new hardware this year, a new hardware release? Yep, that's what I'm thinking. I'm going. I'm gonna. We need to put this in the document so we can reference it in 2022. I'm gonna bet against you. Oh, okay. TJ so you think says we're get another year. Yeah, I don't think Apple cares that much about the Apple TV. TJ says no new Apple TV hardware. Joe says there will be a. Yeah, and on that note, I think that's an intriguing prediction because if that were the case, it would align with them making it available as software on other smart televisions so you'll Mm. get the other smart television solution instead and maybe they just phase out the apple tv hardware entirely okay i'm gonna go bet against you some more i do not believe that apple will ever put tvos on anything but an apple tv i believe what we will see I, I think – are we already seeing this? I can't remember. Um, I think that Apple will make their content available via some TV app on – you know, Apple TV app on people's – you know, I think they have a Roku app, for instance, for Apple TV. Um, I think you'll see that sort of thing. I'm sure they'll make deals with manufacturers of of TVs to put their app on there. But I don't think you're going to see a Apple oh, yeah. operating system on non-Apple. No, no. Right. Yeah, it, you, you or and I are – on the same page about that. Oh, okay. I okay. can't okay. imagine them putting squishing in their entire system into another smart TV. No. Yeah. No, no. Unless Never they wanted happen. to just make a TV, which, you know, getting to I one of also, the predictions we had later, also, we were saying they yeah. would make a, some kind of display, but I would I bet against the TV the though. Thing. Yeah, me the, too. The TV is, is a fundamentally different idea that people, people buy TVs and keep them for 20 years. And I don't think Apple wants to be in that business. So, Joe, um, we have a lot of stuff that we're talking about. Mm. We have a lot of uh, predictions, and we have a lot of wishes that we're going to get to. And so 
what we're doing, what we've decided to do as we've been recording is to split this episode into two. So episodes 17 and 18. So we're going to end episode 17 here. But if people want to talk to you about your AirPods, uh, AirPods Max, AirPods Pro Pro Max, what are they again? The AirPods Max. The AirPods Maximus. Yeah, the Maximus AirPods. Um, If they want to do that or they want to talk to you about your camera case or your tech predictions, uh, where are they going to be able to do that at? Catch up with me on Twitter. I am JCS Darnell. And if you want to talk to me about my tech predictions or, you know, the various things that we talk about on the show, uh, you can find me at TJ Draper Pro. And you can find show notes for this episode at nightowl.fm slash hi-fi slash 17. And we will talk to you more about our predictions and we will also talk about our wishes next week on episode 18. Catch us then. Later, everybody. Thank you.